we're back again on the Let's Be Real podcast. Uh, today with me is Mo. So we're going to be discussing the game against Sociedad and be previewing the midweek Champions League game against Paris at the Bernabeu. Uh, before we move on, just don't forget to like and subscribe our video and also follow us on all the socials, which we'll be dropping on the in the links below. So today, uh, okay, I think today was an interesting game, right? Like, what did you think about the performance today? O- overall, you know, especially the way we came back against Oceania after conceding that early goal. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, the game was just like, I don't know, how can I say, like in the rear mirror, like with an insight into the Paris game on Wednesday. So I think it, it was, it was a, it was the kind of performance we, it's the kind of performance we need actually, to be honest. But then how can I say like, I just feel like our box were against the wall and then we had to perform. Okay. So then yeah, yeah. it becomes like, then when your back's against the wall and you have to perform and like the 19 year old guy is scoring like a 30 yard screamer. So then, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's now becoming more like, okay, how can I say just a moment of individual magic rather than, you know, a team performance again. But then to be honest, you can't actually take away the fact that in the second half, like we actually turned up and we actually played like, you know, some really positive football. Actually, I think one of the best we've played in a very, I think for the past three, four months, like that's the, I think from the 38 minutes upward, like I think the best football we've played, like I think in the past three, four months, I can't remember, maybe I'm wrong. But I think we saw one of the best performances today. And actually, to be honest, before we, uh, we, okay. So I should just say this, like, you guys have labeled me a Calvinger keeper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So let me just, you know, like, how can I say, come back to the, go from the dark side to the to the side of the light right now, you know? To be honest, like, Kamvinga, like, uh, I felt really that this was a performance. I know, you know, like, there's a performance you give that you announce yourself as you, you came of age, you know? And mm-hmm. I think really this was a very good performance from Kamvinga. Like, uh, yeah, this is what we're looking for, really, to be honest. Like, more energy, more drive, you know? You know, when, when I was watching the game at, at the beginning, uh, you know, uh, at the start, we sort of were a little bit suspect defensively and even in, in attack, you know, we were struggling a little bit. The first thing that came into my mind is like, oh, you know, Kamavinga is not playing that well. You know, Farouk was maybe right about it. <laughs> <laughs> I swear that was the first thing that came into my mind when I, you know, when I saw, saw the initial few minutes. But, you know, to your point, uh, I think that uh, especially from 30 minutes onwards, you know, towards the second half of the first half, uh, I think the performance improved and I have to generally agree with you, agree with the fact that I think that this was one of the best, better performances in the last few months, especially, you know, since the, the season break happened in the winter, you know, the Hetafe game was a, was a disaster. And even before that, I, th- I don't think we were pretty good against uh, Athletic Club when we played them at San Mamez and Cadiz before that. So this game was a welcome change. I hope this is a, co- a comeback to form of sorts. But, you know, we don't really know what to expect at Real Madrid, you know? Yeah, actually, I also like to point something out. Actually, we discussed this, I think, a couple of episodes back. To be honest, I think today we saw, like, the full cycle of Carvajal, just only he didn't get injured. <laughs> like, he committed, like, a very, very clumsy penalty. I think someone playing at this level of football should not be giving away these kind of penalties. And, like, it's the second one after the Paris one, you know? And I think there was one even before the Paris one as well. I can't remember right now as well. But like it's it's now following the pattern, and then you see like he was brilliant, you know. As we said, like after the half hour, like it was just you know, good free flowing attacking football. Like he was brilliant, really, to be honest about after that. But the point now becomes this: like there is this moment of inconsistency, 
And then there's this brilliant moment and then he gets injured for five weeks. So it's a cycle that keeps on going and coming. So the point is that what, like, and now he's, I think he's 30 or 31, I'm not sure. I, th I think he's 30. Yeah. So now, the point now becomes like, okay, at, after what point do you start to like, okay, question about like, do you need to find a very competitive right back to challenge, with, to challenge this guy for a starting position? I think honestly, I have to agree with the fact that, uh, you know, the questions are being raised about Carvajal because uh, honestly, okay, for me, I'm looking at Carvajal this season, like in two ways, you know, there's a Carvajal before uh, the athletic game. I think the athletic game was the one where he had a tackle with Griezmann and probably after that game, around that time, he got injured and then he missed a couple of games. Then he came back in the Super Cup against Barcelona and he didn't really have a great game against Usman Dembele, you know. Ever since that, and then he gets COVID, you know, and he's out for, again out for a few few weeks, whatever. But then he comes back, and since then he's been struggling. His performances have not been to the usual Carvajal best that we expect, you know. In the first half of the season, when he was playing uh, defensively, he was very good. Offensively, okay, he's not like he's not he, he's not Trent, he's no Hakimi, but we know what Carvajal can do in the offensive part of the game. So that. This time around, I think uh, the offensive game has been there in pieces because I, I don't think against PSG he was very good offensively. But the defensive game, the lack of defensive game, the way it has gone is something that has worried me. What do you think about that? Yeah, actually, that, I, I think that's that's just it really, to be honest. Like, I think the defensive part of the game actually... actually, But then, on the other hand, you just have to see, like, I don't know, it's just about like him making rush decisions now, you know? I think like before, like, Carvajal was a kind of like a... Okay, you know, like Marcelo was always this kind of player with the X factor and, you know, doing this and that, you know, just for example, let's just compare contrast. Like at Liverpool, for example, you have like Trent and you have like Robertson and like Trent is like the more flasher X factor player. But like, mm -hmm. if you ask like, I don't know, like uh, solid coaches like Mourinho, most likely they will most likely take Robertson over Trent because like he's a player who gives you like, you know, he does his defensive duty first, plays everything safe. And then he's an attacker uh, as a secondary, you know, uh, option. But like, I think for Carvalho, that has always been like, he's always been a very complete fullback. But I think over the past year, I think like that completeness has actually reduced. And I think that's also back, down to the fact that he's starting to miss a lot of games, to be honest. Like he's just starting to have, you know, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I have to agree. The start, stop, it, it, you, a player loses their rhythm when that happens, right? That's just it. And, and I think the fact that um, he had COVID has probably not helped his case. Yeah, because we have seen a lot of players that struggle when after returning from COVID, you know. So I don't really know what the situation is, but like personally, for me, the fact that he comes back from COVID and he doesn't do that well, I think that has to be a factor. Um, coming back to the point that you made, uh, at what point in time do we start looking for a replacement? Uh, probably, I think a good time would be next season, but given how trans the transfer window is shaping up with rumors of uh, Mbappe and Haaland coming in. So, you know, I don't really think Real Madrid are going to sign a right back. It's probably going to be Odrio Zola coming back. But at best, I think the fans should temper the expectations and probably not expect us to sign a, full, a right full back, you know, this this window. So if we do if we do not sign a right full back, do you think Odrio Zola can do the job? Actually, I think he can, but I just feel like right now, like he's a non-factor because like, you know, the Lord, Lucas Vasquez has been <laughs> converted into a, a RB by default. So I think they're just looking at him as, okay, he can do a decent job, like when Carwell is missing. And worst case scenario, you can just shift Nacho over there. So I think that's why I don't feel like they feel as that's a position of urgency. Like, 
because I think they're just going to try to like restock the attack. I think, and they're just going to. Would you be fine with us not signing a right back in the summer? To maybe honest, let's say let's say Odriozola gets sold, okay, or maybe Fiorentina they want him on loan another season or whatever they want to buy him. Yeah, to be honest, I would I would be I would be okay for one more season to go like this. But after that, mm-hmm. I, what for? Because to be okay, why I would be okay with this is if we go and get the two superstars that have been reported, fine. Well, if we're getting just Mbappe, then I would say, okay, then the money you're going to pay for Haaland and the agent fees and what is and what is not, then bluster it on, I don't know, Bernardo Silva and a right back. That will be my choice. Yeah, okay. There's been some interesting news about Bernardo Silva recently, right? I think uh, in a press conference, he said, I'll talk, to my, I'll talk about my future in the summer. So I think that has a lot of fans excited. And I remember that you you are really high on Bernardo Silva. So do you think we have a chance of getting him in the summer? Sure, 100%. 100%. You know, like his girlfriend is Spanish and she lives in Spain. No, I, I didn't really know that. But yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing to know. I think also he has a daughter, but I'm not sure like this might be. But I do know this. And mm-hmm. like, that's the reason like he wants to go back. You know, he wants to get back. And you know, actually, like uh, Spain and Portugal are like neighbors and stuff like that. You know, like the cultures are very similar to each other as well. And like, uh, okay. so that's 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 the thing actually, because that was what Pep alluded to in the summer actually that he wants to go back home. It's not anything about you know the competitiveness or anything. He just wanted to go back home. And that's, but do you think Pep will try to influence him to, towards Barcelona? Uh, I think definitely that that's 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 a possibility. But I think that I think Barcelona are moving in a different way. You know, with the because the point when you get Bernardo Silva in, mm-hmm. then time you're taking time away from the likes of Gavi, Pedri, you know. Because already, like, you have Gavi, Pedri, Frankie de Jong, and, like, Sergio B is still going hard. And, you know, like, I think Barcelona are also, like, pushing aggressively to get, like, uh, Frank Kessier from AC Milan as well. Mm-hmm. From the reports for everything. So, I think Barca might not be well, I don't know, will not move on that aggressively. But I think, like, anyone will move on the uh, Bernardo Silva aggressively as well if given the opportunity. So, I think that Xavi-Pep relationship might actually just, you know, persuade him to uh, to move towards that side of the of Spain as well, actually. For me, I think that if Barcelona do not get Haaland, then I think the, it, uh, Bernardo Silva is probably a player to watch out for them because given the fact that Bernardo can also play as, as a right winger, right? Yeah. And I think Barcelona, that is a spot that Barcelona can use him in. Yeah. Uh, although I think Arma Traore has done better than we all expected. His impact has been greater. But I think that that's a spot uh, Barcelona could use him. And while we're talking about midfielders, I think we definitely need to talk about the performance of Kamavinga today. You know, what a brilliant goal. That was like that was like one of the best goals that we have scored this season. Yeah. And as uh, as that's the person who has now seen the right side, <laughs> how do you evaluate Kamavinga's performance? Actually, you know, um, I don't know, like were you watching on ESPN? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like he just had the ball and they just shoot the ball in the nets. Like they actually there wasn't like <laughs> At the point of the goal, like they didn't even actually even show him shoot. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I missed for a second. I don't know. I just saw like the ball was in the net. It, it was. It was a very weird goal. It's like he shoots and suddenly the cameras were trying panning towards exactly. you know, it missing, and then suddenly it's in the goal. And the camera was even surprised at the fact the ball yeah. ended in the, in the net. Yeah, to be honest, like as as you also said, like I think uh, for the first couple of minutes, like uh, it was a bit sloppy from I think the whole midfield and the black back line. But after then, like really, coming got got stride and you know. And actually, I loved the fact that, you know, he injected a lot of pace and a lot of energy, you know, uh, which otherwise you wouldn't get from Cruz, like, because they are two different kind of players. So I think, actually, the thing is this, I don't know, like, I feel like what I felt was that while watching the game, maybe, like, uh, the reason why maybe I wasn't buying the pin with Camavinga is that 
you get so used to watching like Luka Modric and Tony Cruz do their things. And like Kamu Vinga, like is a totally different kind of player from these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like he offers something that they don't give and like he doesn't give what they offer. So like it's a whole, how can I say like, so it's no longer like a like for like replacement. For example, really why I'm so high on Bernardo Silva is that I feel like this is someone who is very close to Luka Modric. Okay. Like I feel this genuine, like he's very close to like, even like the stature of him, like the way he plays, you know? I feel like he's very okay. Just that he's a bit more productive, like goal-wise than Luca. Like he gets into the box more. Yeah, that, I think he, he's more offensively inclined compared exactly, to Exactly, he's more offensively inclined. But I feel like he's someone who's gonna like cover every glass grass of the pitch, you know, every blade of grass on the pitch. So he he can do this. So that's how I feel. But when you check like with Kamavinga, it's a whole different thing, you know. So watching the game today, I actually saw like, yeah, this is something that can be done, you know. But then now the question becomes this: Okay, today he was a bit more less aggressive. Well, I think the commentator was saying like he has started seven games and in those seven games he had five yellow cards. Yeah, so this is also this. Well, I guess like I guess he's still young, you know, so he needs time to tune these things because as they said, like uh, I was actually watching ESPN yesterday and like I think uh, Sid Lowe was saying that like like Tony Cross wasn't Tony Cross at Kamavinga's age and for sure Luka Modric wasn't Luka Modric at Kamavinga's age, you know? So you need time yeah. to get to that. I, th- I think that is a good point to make. You know, the fact is like Kamavinga is still developing given the fact that he he debuted with Ren at the age of 16 and he had these impressive performances like his PSD and all these big teams, you know, uh, have sort of magnified the hopes that we have from him. But the thing is like uh, today, I think uh, around uh, at the beginning, Kamavinga was not very good. But around like 15, 20th minute, he started uh, taking spaces that he was more comfortable in. He started playing more forward. He started playing with a freedom. I think Luka Modric is the right thing in switching the sides, you know, because Luka Modric started on the right side, Kamavinga started on the left side. But then he moved him to the to the to the right and moved himself to the left. You know, Modric moved himself to the left. So once Kamavinga moved to the right, I think uh, we started seeing a little bit of confidence in his game. And then uh, slowly, slowly, he grew in, up into the game. And, and that goal, I think, changed the way he performed totally. After that, we saw a lot more freedom, a lot more confidence. And, and honestly, I was, lot, I was impressed. I was impressed because even though I, I think um, uh, overall the season, I have backed Kamavinga, but I, was, I wasn't sure that he had it in him to come and replace Cruz. But then the fact is like a couple of uh, weeks ago, we were talking about this and I said Kamavinga is better of playing further forward than playing as a defensive midfielder, you know? Even today, I disagree with the, this assessment that the club and uh, managers seem to have the fact that Kamavinga, because he's a good tackler, he has the ability to grow in the defensive midfield role. I think we are trying to put too much pressure on him that way. So I think Kamavinga should be developed as a central midfielder, and that is how he should be used. Maybe we should be signing a more, uh, let's say, let's say a, a defensive midfielder like Shabi Alonso or somebody in that mold, you know, and pair Valverde and Kamavinga around them. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I, I actually, yeah, actually, I think that's the why. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why they're looking towards the, I think, the French guy at Monaco, right? I mean, yeah. So I think that that will be a solid platform for that. But actually, the thing is, I feel like Casemiro can still give a couple of years. <laughs> so that's there is that as also. For me, the only issue is like uh, having uh, Casemiro in the CDM position is sort of like, you know, it sort of takes out all the creativity from the midfield, especially if you pair him up with uh, Valverde and Kamavinga. Because I think neither of them is especially creative. And when you look at it that way, I think Bernardo Silva is a, would be a good addition because of the fact that he he can add some offensive things. But then, like, then you have to choose between Kamavinga and Valverde. You can only play one. So I don't know how this goes. 
And if we don't sign Chouamini in the summer, I, I think there's a good chance that we lose him, you know. Because a lot of teams are interested in him. Chelsea are interested in him. So we could lose him if we don't sign him in the summer. That, that, that's my only worry about it. Yeah, Anyways, think- moving on. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think in the summer, a lot of decisions has to be made, actually. Like, a lot of, like, you know, you need to weigh the forgotten, uh, forgotten alternatives, as the economics people say, I think. You yeah. need to, like, see, like, what, what what will you give to get what? Because the point is that you're you're signing Bappi for free, but the point is that there's no such thing as a free transfer. When you sign something, you give, like, you know, 20, 50, 40, 60 million euros a sign-on fee, you know, you have to pay agent fees and you have to give, like, astronomical wages, you know? And then you go on to people like Haaland, who have reportedly, I think, was it 70 million euros, 18 million euros of this force? And like yeah, 75. Yeah. And then like his entourage are asking for just something similar in fees as well. And also he's going to earn like, you know, monster wages. And then you have to consider, you know, other players as well. Like the point is that these players are like, it's a profession for them. So like even the likes of Orion Chairman, if they come, like they're also expecting like a huge upgrade in their salaries as well. We have to consider all this. Like that's why I feel like it's 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 you have to just make the choices. Like what do you want to get or what do you would you want to give? And, and that's why today I personally feel right now. Like to be honest, I will go for Renato Silva over this uh, Tremini guy. But the point is this: I get your point in the sense that like he's one for the future. Like he's one for now and for the future as well. Yeah, Renato Silva is like twenty eight. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not exactly sure how will be. So most likely he gives like four or five seasons and it's all done. You know, yeah. but like for Tremini, you can get ten seasons out of him if you're lucky. So there is also this as well, but yeah. So it's just this because I feel like Casemiro can still play for three, four seasons. Like I think he's thirty. I think he can go to 33, 34, still playing and delivering what he can deliver. So with these guys, uh, with uh, both Camavinga and Valverde in the wings, I feel like we're quite suited if we can get one more midfielder. Bernardo Silva. And, and you know, we don't have to forget the fact that Tony Cruz can at least give us one good, one more good season. You know, at least yeah, at the very least. Definitely. Actually, the, what I'm actually you know also including Cross in that situation, like it's. Tony Kroos and, you know, uh, Carlos Casemiro and then someone who's going to replace Luka Modric, you know. So that's just what it is. In my, that's just what I see, but I just don't know what the club thinks as well. So I, For me, I have this idea, you know, it's like the midfield, uh, how AC Milan used to play when they had Andrea Pirlo, you know. They yeah. had Pirlo in the middle. Uh, maybe probably a better example would be uh, Juventus. Because you, as Juventus, uh, Andrea Pirlo, he became a true regista, you know, sitting in the middle. And then he was flanked by um, Claudio Marquis. Was it Marquisio? Yeah. I think it was Marquisio, right? And then Pogba. So they, they had these two box-to-box players. And in the middle, they had Pirlo. So I, that is something that I think uh, Real Madrid should try and replicate. But, okay, anyways, that's a discussion for the for another day. And I think we have to evaluate the fact that Benzema scored three goals today. <laughs> but only one counted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what what do you what is your opinion about the current offside rule? Actually, I think uh, Asamwinga mentioned something in the past, and he was saying like uh, you need to give like a yard or two. Like I, I'm not sure, I can't recall what it is, but he was like saying give benefit of the doubt to the attackers. Okay, you understand? For example, when you see like the offside, you you keep the check sweep for both Benzema goals. Like they were weird offsides. Like the point is that that doesn't that offside the check sweep doesn't give any attacker in the world any advantage over a defender. No. The point is that when you have a, when you have like I don't know ten foot fifteen foot then yeah an attacker has an advantage over a defender but like the the lines they drew to this doesn't give an attacker any advantage over a defender so what's the point? Yeah, yeah. For me, I have to agree with you over here. You know, the fact is like, what is the spirit of the law? The spirit of the law is that we do not want attackers to go hang around in the penalty box all the time. You know, that is the spirit of the law. And the fact is like when we are having these 
these offsides where people are splitting hairs to decide the fact whether this is this should be an offside or not. I think the I, th I think the, the rule has been become a little bit draconian. But overall, what do you think about the new rule coming in? Because I think if the new rule had been in place, the fact that if the player's goal scoring any part of the player is in line with the last defender, it, it is not going to be offside. What do you think about that rule? Because if that rule was enforced today, I think both of those goals have stood, would have stood. Actually, when I when I saw the rule, I wasn't very sure about it because the point is I don't know. Like, how can I say? Like, you can imagine the situation whereby an attacker like is about to sprint out, right? So like his foot is already ahead and one foot is behind. So if mm -hmm. that foot, if that foot which is behind matches the last defender, mm -hmm. he's onside. Yeah. But like right now, he has a huge advantage actually. Because just this moving one foot ahead, like it's a huge advantage for an attacker. So actually, I'm kind, I'm kind of divided about it. But like for Uzuma's mm -hmm. offside today, yeah, it makes the goal count, which is logical. But I think when you have the case of you know Spitzas, like the likes of Mohammed Salah and so on, like I think for sure, even those guys, like with even one shoulder, they have an advantage over you. So that's just the thing. You know, so, the funny thing is, like today, today in the morning, I think Liverpool uh, scored a similar goal with Sadio Mane, where there was this, you know, offside check, and and they were splitting hairs over there. And I turned to my brother and said, you know, this 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 has gone a little bit too far. And today, the same thing happens in our games. But luckily for Benzema, he managed to score a penalty. Absolutely. And when you look at Benzema's penalty record, it is absolutely stellar for Amrit. I think he's only with missed yes. one penalty, right? One penalty, and that was again earlier this season against Elche. So I don't know what makes this guy tick. Yeah, really, man. I, I, actually, I don't know. Well, actually, you know, uh, I think was it yesterday or the day before? I was actually uh, having a discussion with a friend, and he was like, he doesn't get the reason why Benzema is always like outside of the eighteen, like why he always drifts to the you know the Cristiano position and stuff like that. And it was like, if Benzema could actually stay in the in the box, like he could score way more, ton more of goals, man. I don't know. Actually, even today, you could, it was obvious. Like it was a situation where actually. Rodrigo was in the 18. I think even the case where Carvajal like squared for Asensio as well. But it was because like Benzema has gone to become his nine and a half, I don't know, or 10, what can we say? He became the, you know, the, the midfielder and that's why he's actually missing there. So I think like, to be honest, like when I think when Benzema retires, like we're going to sit back and, you know, really admire him even more, to be honest. Yeah. And I think like, you know, the people who are in the bench, best French player of all time kind of thing, when they sit down, okay, the point is that they have a lot of like glorious French players who've won the Golden Ball, right? And like yeah. Benzema hasn't won it, unfortunately, because of the yeah, okay, he's not gonna win it, no most likely, maybe I don't know. Well, the thing is that because of that, like they're just gonna feel like okay, like he's not won the Golden Ball, he's not won the World Cup with France and stuff like that. But I feel like when they sit down, yeah, hopefully it changes this season. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just I think like France is much of is so much of a, like you know like a Hollywood movie that it's just impossible to worship those guys. So I just I think like you know because of that, I feel like. They might not give him the credit now, but when they sit down, when the dust settles and everyone just, you know, like analyzes what Benzema actually did as a footballer, you know, as an individual footballer, they're going to realize that actually this guy was even better than Henry and Zidane, in my opinion, really. Yeah, for me pers personally, I've always rated, rated him as a player, not as a striker, but as a player above uh, Thierry Henry. But, you know, some people disagree. The, the prime example being Sunaid, who's, you know, out there enjoying a break for some reason. I don't know why he's not here. But the fact is, like, if we if we take Benzema, you know, if we take Benzema out, or if 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 we take the ability of Benzema to play around the box and make him sit in the box and do the job of a poacher, I think we take away from what makes Benzema Benzema. You know, what makes him special. 
Yeah. So for me personally, uh, I, I am pretty satisfied with the way he plays, but I think he should be paired up with a player who takes position in the box like a Cristiano and like what Asensio did today. <coughs> Excuse me. That's yeah, I should... Like it's going to be fantastic playing with, you know, either Haaland or Mbappé for Benzema, actually. Really, I think it's going to be a very good uh, combination with Benzema and Haaland or Benzema and Mbappé. Well, yeah, I guess that's something we have to wait for the summer to see if it happens or not. I mean, we have already seen how good Benzema is with Mbappé, right? That they have a special relationship. Those just seeing it once in every three, four months. We're going to see it every such day. <laughs> so hopefully, you get your wish, you know, soon enough. Okay, moving on. I think uh, we talked about our offense a lot, but then we also have to, you know, uh, give credits to our defense. Militao's improvement this season has been spectacular. I think we have talked about this a lot of times uh, on this podcast. But like when you watch Real Madrid play, you can see that. There are some players who are on a different level totally. You know, Benzema, Modric, Cruz, uh, let's say Alaba. And today, you know, these days we, we can say Militao is at that level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we, we spoke about it a lot. Like, you know, he faced a lot of, you know, uh, issues when he came, like a centre-back pairing, which was almost unbreakable with Varane Ramos. And, you know, he put his head down, worked hard, you know, never complained, took the opportunities when they came. Uh, even he had some difficult games, I could recall at the beginning, but you know, last season he just stepped up and even this season he's even reaching a higher level, man. Places we don't think were even possible to reach and really, it's, because I think it's, it's uh, although, you know, last season they both didn't play a lot, like both uh, Varane and Ramos, but like, they've just been, you know, the, 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 the landmark, you know, like they've just been so good and for them coming, you know, that pairing of Alaba and Militao, you know, just it's it's been a fantastic pairing, really, to be honest. And, and I think the fact that Varane and Militao could not gel together last season, yeah. it sort of hurt Militao's credibility, right? Yeah. You exactly. know, whenever they played, we had we had some horrible games at the back. But then Militao and Nacho, they formed a pretty great partnership and Militao and Alaba have been good. But then the only thing you worry about is, you know, aerial threats. But the fact is, like, Militao is not just good at defense. He's also good in offense. You know, this guy is pressing opponents in their in their own half. And, you know, they, we saw an example of that today even. So, personally, for me, I'm pretty happy with how this Militao deal has turned out. You know, the fact is, like, when when we were signing Militao, people were saying, oh, you are missing the obvious target in Bilicht and you're going for uh, Militao. But as of right now, personally, I think uh, Militao is, like, I would rate Militao higher that I would uh, rate Matias Delict. So, like, what do you think? Where do you think uh, Militao stands among the best defenders in the world today? Oh, to be honest, I'll say top 10. And, you know, the 10s being the, I don't know, the Van Dijk's and Ruben Diaz's. And I think Delict also is still there, to be honest, because I feel like he's still the... He, he, he like, he... I think the, the thing is just that, you know, he's a bit... Juve are down right now, to be honest. So, I think it's not very right to actually, you know, judge based on that because the thing is he has the quality you know I think mm-hmm. just based on the quality alone I think he's ahead of uh, Militao to be honest but I think I get what you're saying in the sense that like right now based on performances Militao is you know is ahead of So what is that exact quality that you would say makes Delict better than Militao? I think reading of the game playing out of the back you know playing under pressure you know the ability to pick a pass mm-hmm. I think these are things But I think Militao has improved on that area this season right? Yeah Actually, I think the thing is this, like, you know, uh, Militao has this ability to make those runs, you know, those mazy mm-hmm. runs from the out to the, from the back into the, I don't know, the midfield area or the attacking area. So I think, yeah, you can give him that. But I think that... You, you can't forget the fact that Militao also plays as a right back for Porto, you know? Yeah, okay. So he has that ability to carry the ball. 
Okay, yeah. So, so, so there's that versatility as well. But I think, yeah, I can say just, you know, the ability to play out of the back and playing under pressure gives, I think, maybe the lead a bit of a hopper hand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but other than that, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, as I said, just I think he will be in the worst case scenario top 10 center backs right now. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think he's in towards the top five, but I'm not actually sure, to be honest. So, just to be on the safe side. Yeah, that's cool. Do you th- would you put him ahead of Ran, you know, in different center back rankings today? Based on performances, based on performances. I'm sorry, but United is just pure garbage. <laughs> to be honest, like, I, I don't know, but actually, you know, um, I was actually speaking with my brother, actually, uh, I think, was it yesterday or something? And he was saying to me, like, he's always told people, although I don't agree with this, he said he's always told people like that Varane is garbage. Like, Varane has never been that good. Like, Varane has just been surrounded with very good players and very good systems. And I'm just like, like, is this guy watching something else? And he was like, look at the United stuff. And like, when you're surrounded like by, with bad players, like he was saying like, if it was like Ramos was at United, it would have been a whole different story. Well, I can yeah. with that, but I don't think like, I don't think like Ryan is as bad as he makes him out to be. You know? you know, your brother and my brother must be friends because my brother has never rated Ryan either. Uh, like, I think my brother always goes on Ryan because of his positioning. But yeah, for whatever reason, I think he's having a torrid time. And personally, I think if Varane was to return to Real Madrid, I think he would have had a tough, he would have a tough time getting in ahead of Militao. You know, I agree with you there. But the only thing that I want Militao to improve on is the fact his positioning in opposition boxes and his ability to score goals on corners. Because I think this season, Real Madrid have only scored like one goal through a corner set-piece situation. I think it was Luka Jovic in the last game against Sociedad. So I think that is one area that where Militao needs to improve. But how? What do you think about Ancelotti's subs today? Yeah, Ancelotti's. Subs. And and just just to add, what did you think about Asensio having an impact as a substitute? Yeah, so the subs were like Asensio for Rodrigo, and then it was a uh, for. Uh, sorry, sorry, it was uh, Mariano for Benzema. It was uh, Ceballos. For- Ceballos for Modric, I think, Modric. and Marcelo for uh, Vinicius, and there was an, another one. Uh, yeah, probably. The, yeah, these are the main. Oh, ones. and then there was like uh, Lucas Vasquez for Dan Carvalho. Right? Yeah, Lucas Vasquez for Dan Carvalho. Oh, exactly. So that was actually yeah. I think we saw like the instant impact from Marco Asensio. But I just made me sad because like it means Asensio is gonna start the game against Paris. I don't know. That's just the downside to it, to be honest. But yeah, I don't know. I think that it was it was just I don't know. It was a lucky goal. It was a gift to him because the. It was a fantastic ball from Casemiro. To be honest, like, I have to give that to Danny Carvalho, and he was also you know. Uh, Good taking down of the ball from Carvalho as well to to wait for the you know for support and you know uh, a good cutback and yeah empty net for Marco Asensio to be honest he has now I think he's on ten goals in all competitions in the season yeah I, I think he's third highest scorer in the team right now yeah and the fact is like because he was arrested I think there, there's like a ninety percent chance that Marco Asensio starts against yeah I think, uh, that, was, I think that, was, that was the goal like it's, he's played a lot over the past couple of weeks so let's give him the rest and let him start against Paris so I don't know. So maybe Carlo Ancelotti is finally doing some rotations, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I love yeah. the fact that he waited till he guaranteed uh, because the point is like you know that they were they were although like they were just how can I say like you were pushing without actually having a threat like so see that mm-hmm. like so I think Ancelotti was waiting to get the third goal before actually he just pulled all the guys off just to be safe. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. But then what do you think about the Mariano subsidiary, Mariano coming ahead of you, which... Yeah, you know, I keep just saying it, like, I keep wondering, like, what Luka does in training, to be honest. Really, I just keep wondering, like, what this guy does in training. 
because the point is that if you want to if they're changing you know and they're giving someone who's literally like a forgotten man man like literally no one even remembers the Mariano plays for Real Madrid and he's coming in over you I'm sorry but I don't know why you didn't train to be honest because <laughs> I, the, I, the, no one is looking for a goal or anything they're just okay like let's take Benzema off and give him a rest time it doesn't matter even if we put a stone in the pitch you understand it doesn't matter what comes up well, the point I is, th- I, th- I think a stone can provide a more productive impact than Mariano, given the fact that you can hit the ball in a stone and get it back. <laughs> <laughs> really, I just don't know, man. I wonder what this guy does in training. Really, I, 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 don't, I just think it's done, man. It's done for Jovic. Really, I really did wish like it was different, but I think it's done for Luka Jovic. Like, there's no other thing like left. Yeah, sadly, I think Jovic's Madrid career is like almost over. I don't think there's any chance he stays here like next year, unless and until there's nobody willing to buy him. But then, you know, you know, personally me, uh, I think we would have been better off keeping on Borja Mayoral as a second second striker instead of Luka Jovic, but for, for whatever reason, you know, without going into it, uh, Jovic well, is the second striker that we have, but, you know, it's been a waste of 60 million. So, I mean, today, that, that was it. It was a great comeback. And I think, yeah, Real Sociedad after that goal were horrendous. And I don't know what their center back was doing. That other guy, I, I even forgot his name. And then uh, their goalkeeper was horrendous, uh, as always, distributing the ball. So looking ahead, you know, we face off against Paris in the midweek. What are your expectations of the game? To be honest, I'm not sure. I think. Uh, uh... I don't, we have no belief in the Bernabeu comeback. I don't have belief, actually. I hope we win. But now mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, like, I don't know what Ancelotti is going to do. Are we going to shoot ourselves in the foot and wait to counter? Or are we going to just press them? Okay, not press them, but like at least play on the front foot. You know, as I, I, th- I think given the fact that we're trailing, we're probably going to start play this game on the front foot, you know? To be honest, I'm not very sure about that. That's the thing I'm skeptical about. To be honest, like, we might just try to hit on the counter and move forward, you know, and... Uh, Actually, I, I, the thing is this, you know, uh, when you check like this because of the, what's it called, because of the front line of Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, and maybe Di Maria additionally, like, it's understandable to be fearful, you understand. But the point is that the defense is weak. And similarly, mm-hmm. midfield has a wrong combination. You get the point? I, 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 I think they're there for the taking. Really, they are. For me personally, I think it depends on uh, if Tony Cruz is fit. What sort of role does Tony Cruz play in in the second in the second leg, you know? And then the fact is like which of which player out of Fede Valverde and Kamavinga plays? Because for me personally, I'm a lot more assured with Valverde right now, given the performances you know currently. So I think a midfield of Valverde, Modric, and Cruz would probably be the best one for us to go forward with. But then the thing is like I think we have to go on the uh, on the front foot in this game because. We are chasing this game, right? And the fact is, like, unless we take control of the game, we're never going to get the ball back from Paris, especially the way they played, you know? They play with a higher intensity in the Champions League. So I think that is something that we have to be careful about. To be honest, like, that's that's actually, I just felt sad, like, because I know Asensio is going to start, but I just wish Carlos could go with, like, you know, a four-mid-field and we are both coming and already in the pitch. Because I feel like, as you just mentioned, like, earlier before about the register rule, you know, if we have like two pivot with Modric and Cruz, mm-hmm. and it will be like the double registers, you know, they can take turns to uh, be the six anyways, like the double game. They, uh, they can take turns to be the uh, the tempo setter. So I feel like with the injection of pace, you know, and physicality that both Valverde and uh, Kamavinga bring, we're going to be able to press this 
Marco Verratti. Because the point is that while like we just keep going back to the fact that Mbappe was good in the first day and like they dominated us, like Verratti ran he ran the show really. Yeah. I feel like if not because of that platform that Verratti gave them, it would have been a different story, you know? And that was because like there was no pressure on Verratti. Like he had the ball and he had tons of time to think. You get the point, right? But I feel like even yeah. just, you know, give them just, you know, uh, two very active, very physical players, very people who are willing to run, you know? People who are willing to press them down. I think that's going to reduce the thinking time. And it's also going to give like Modric and Cruz more time also them, for them on the ball. Yeah, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. So I think yeah. with Benzema and Vinicius up top, I think that would be, I don't know, for me, that would just be what I would be looking towards. For me personally, I think some a player that we should be evaluating for this game is uh, Isco because you know remember whenever Zidane went against a big team, he had this idea that we have dominant midfield by putting in the numbers. And Isco is somebody who you know who who, who for the opponent is difficult to get the ball out of him. So I think Isco is somebody we sh- we should be evaluating. I hope Carlos is evaluating him as well. But I think if we went with a four-man midfield of Camavinga, Valverde, Modric, and Cruz, personally, I wouldn't be too disappointed. But if Cruz is not there, I think probably we should be looking at bringing in Isco in because he's somebody who can control the tempo and you know keep help us keep the ball. Because I think keeping the ball is going to be very important against PSG this time around. Actually, to be honest, the thing is, is uh, I think we also discussed a couple of episodes back about the Isco thing. I think Isco and Garibald are both in the same ship in the sense that like, if Isco is motivated, he can do the job. But the point is, how do you get him motivated? I don't know, maybe feed him some vegan foods that his girlfriend likes. <laughs> really, that's just a thing. Because I actually believe that. So I think, like, yeah, Isco is someone who can give you a lot of ball retention, and that's very key against Paris as well. But I feel like just, I don't know, man, is Isco going to turn up or not turn up? But I feel like with the uh, with the young guys, uh, Kamavinga and Varodi, they have things to prove. And I really do pray that Cruz is fit, because I don't, if Cruz is not fit, I don't know what's going to happen then. Really. Yeah, for me personally as well, I hope Cruz is fit, because although people are... Like I, I know a certain section of fan base is happy. The fact that Cruz is not there because they get this, they get their dream of seeing Kamavinga and Valverde play together alongside Modric. Thing is like I think this for this game at least Cruz is going to be very important because at the start of even today's game we uh, we struggle a little bit with the tempo because you're missing Cruz. So I think Cruz is going to be very important. So overall, like what what are you expecting from the result in the midweek? Are you cautiously optimistic or are you like you know yeah we're gonna win? Yeah, actually, to be honest, I, I don't know. I just feel comfortable. Okay. Like, I feel, when I mean comfortable, like, I'm not, like, stressed. Like, ah, I just feel like it's 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 going to be, like, a victory for us. But okay. then how much of a victory, I don't know. Like, you know, you might win and then go to the PKs and then lose out on the penalties. I don't know. I just feel like we might win. Well, losing out on the penalties is the, is the toughest thing. Like, 90 or 120, we might win. But then, you know, the PKs are just gambles. So, I don't know. Let's see. How yeah, losing in penalties is, like, it's it really hurtful. Exactly. It hurts my heart. <laughs> yeah, so for, for me personally as well, I, I am cautiously optimistic overall, but let's see what happens, you know. Maybe the spirit of Juanito will come back and lead us to a comeback victory. Who knows, you know, you never know. So what do you think about the fullback situation, Mike? Mendy is out, suspended? Yeah, for me, I, honestly, I'm not sure. I would probably go with Nacho. And the thing is like, but you never know with Ancelotti. Probably he brings on Marcella. Nah, Mar- so, I don't think Marcelo plays. I think the, the I think just the, the thing is, is you have just two options: either break up the centre back pairing of uh, Milita Alaba, or you play Nacho as well. You know, I think we actually discussed it a, a couple of weeks back. So we talked about the fact that you know Nacho is a natural centre back, and 
you know, it might fit better for him to play in the natural position. And we shift Alaba to the left back position. But to be honest, I'm not very also keen about that. I just feel like maintain the center back training and just. For me personally, it's like we shouldn't be breaking up because uh, Militao Alaba is a good thing that this team has going on. It was a good thing that we had in the, the first leg. So I think that should be kept constant. Nacho, although you're right that he's, he's a natural center back, I don't think he's, a, he's an adequate fullback as well. And the fact is, like, some people had doubts about his ability to tackle Neymar. I think people are forgetting the fact that Nacho has played against Neymar before and, you know, handled him perfectly fine. So, overall, I think I would just go with Nacho at fullback. As long as Anthony does not start Marcel. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Really, I, I really, I really don't wish Asensio to start really because like I can't remember. I can remember the first game. The first game was pure garbage, really. And I don't. Okay, this is the first game. There was no other first game, right? This is a single leg attack. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess that's that's it for today's episode, right? Uh, I hope that we win in the midweek, and probably we'll see you guys again after the game. Hello, Madrid. Hello, Madrid.